Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast, and it is one of our interview sessions uh, that we've been doing this year. And today we've got David Weaver on. David is a franchise consultant. So we've been talking about different ways that you can build a freedom engine. And one of the ones that I've told you is just buy into a business or find somebody else who has a business that they want to sell to you. Well, a franchise is a way of doing that. It's getting a package a business already packaged for you, but as a franchise consultant, he helps you figure out which the right ones and what questions to ask. So we're really looking forward to having you on, David. Thanks for being on today, sir. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's going to be fun. And you, uh, you are up in Colorado in the uh, much cooler areas than I am in Austin, Texas right now. <laughs> yes, I uh, I get to live in the mountains of Colorado. My daughter's going to uh, Baylor, so my wife and daughter are down in Waco, right next to you, and it's hot. I can tell you, it's hot. It's down really there. hot this year. Yeah, it's it's really hot this year. We were up in uh, we were up at Colorado Springs in May, and the greatest trip ever. We got there. It was ninety degrees. Uh, went and did the Garden of the Gods. Kind of hung out, enjoyed our day, did all the stuff. The second day it rained, and by the end of that day it was snowing. The next day it was 12 inches of snow on the ground. Welcome All to Colorado. It was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and and we laughed the whole time because we're like, I don't have a house here. I don't have to worry about pipes freezing. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I grew up in Indiana and and we pipes would freeze in Indiana. Yeah. You don't really, I mean, it happens, but it's not very common because the core temperature doesn't really stay cold for very long because it's so sunny in Colorado, even in the wintertime. Yeah, that's, that's the beautiful part about it. It, I mean, it snowed, it snowed 12 inches and it was, you know, besides the front range, I mean, the snow by the second, by the fourth day we were there had already started to melt off. You know, you just had little blops of it here and there, but I mean, the front range, I took a picture on the way in from the airport and the way out. And it was brown the way it normally is. And we came back out and it was all white. It was hilarious and, and four days different. So yeah, I have. Well, let's, uh, let's start off by uh, talking a little bit about your story. Tell us, uh, tell us how you got to where you are today. Oh, um, honestly, if I go way back, um, it started with my first job out of school, um, started with an internship while I was still at school. So I went, I grew up in Indiana, went to Indiana University. I got an internship with GE. Then the purpose of that was to get into their management training program, which was a really cool mm -hmm. program. They basically, oh, yeah. you got to two year stints um, in manufacturing, and then they'd put you into a financial job, and then they'd put you into a sales job, et cetera. So I was like, this nice. is a really great foundation to start my career. I, I was super pumped. Like 95% of the interns you know, got, uh, got into the job. And then I learned what affirmative action means <laughs> because this is in the mid nineties when I graduated and, you know, I'm a white guy from Cal from, from Indiana. And so I didn't get the job. Um, yeah. 
so once I got over myself a little bit, I, I sort of, in hindsight, um, I didn't really intentionally do this. Like at 22 years old, I didn't have that much foresight. So I don't want to oversell the idea. Um, but the first job I had was a project management and sales job selling elevators and escalators. So very yep. hardcore construction um, project management, like you got to have your ducks in a row. And then the next job that I had was selling interior design and decor fabrication for big box retailers like Kroger and CVS and stuff like that. So um, okay. that was a hardcore sales job. Mm -hmm. um, then sort of life uh, took a little turn and my dad says, hey, I need your help with the family business. So come back to the Midwest. And I grew up in the foundry business. So we made car parts. Mm -hmm. So melt metal okay. down into, into parts. Um, hardcore manufacturing. So I find myself um, in one job. I'm I've got the entire West Coast as my territory as a 26 year old or something, where I'm flying in an mm. airplane, meeting with um, executives to sell interior design, um, and then I'm melting metal in a foundry the next year. So um, <laughs> I did that for a stint. Uh, realized that small business or that uh, family business was not something that um, that I wanted to spend the next 30 years doing. Uh, so I moved back to Colorado, elevator companies in Colorado. Then I moved back to, uh, from Detroit, back to Colorado. Um, and I, I got a job with a finance company. And the finance okay. company, um, we were a non-bank lender and we, the owner of the company wanted to penetrate the franchise space, but offer loans and leases in a non-SBA guaranteed way. And so- oh. I was like, if I can turn around this, this manufacturing facility, how hard can selling money be? Everybody needs money. So um, <laughs> what I learned was if you, if you see that, I, I very um, unintentionally did exactly what I thought I wanted with GE, which was kind of fun over about 15 year period of time. Um, so I learned franchising. I learned um, why do some businesses get loans? Why do banks fall over themselves for some businesses, right? And why do some banks never want to give bank, uh, certain businesses money? So yeah. um, in hindsight, I always took a job where I was forcing myself to learn something new. So if you want to create a yeah. freedom day, if you want to be an entrepreneur, that's how entrepreneurs think. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so... The, the financial meltdown of 2008-9 um, pushed me out of my comfort zone once again. And at this point, I was like, I'm never going to work for somebody ever again. And I'm also never going to leave Colorado again. So that was my mantra back in 2009. Um, and that's when I started in the, in a, the end of 2010. I bought a bar on DU's campus, Denver, Denver University's campus. And I started my franchise business like in the same month or October, November, I can't remember, but it was the end of 2010. So we were sort of getting ourselves sorted out from the, the meltdown, but we were still, mm. it was tough. That, that was just tough, tough situation. Very much restart starting over um, in life. And let's just say owning a bar was a dumb idea and franchise <laughs> has been a wonderful idea because um, I'm still doing franchise today. Um, and I also invest in franchise assets. I invest in real estate assets. And I, I would say my day job would be um, working with consult or consulting people on finding the right franchise. So what I get to do today is a bit like an executive recruiter in the franchise space in that okay. I'm working with most of the time, first time business owners 
or first ten people that are buying their or buying their first business or starting their first business, and they're typically moving away from something that they know and understand, a W-2 income yep. and a corporate job, and they're moving towards something that they want. They want to buy a business. They want to start a franchise, but there's so many choices out there. I don't even know where to start, right? So my consulting practice is a very defined process to create okay. that bridge towards business ownership. Um, and, and my service is free, similar to that of an executive recruiter that gets paid by the company for finding a yeah. president or a COO. Nice. So talk a little bit about your process. So what, what do you go through with, uh, with each of those folks? So my goal is to, um, is well, my philosophy or my process is really just an extension of my own personal investment strategy, right? So I invest okay. in franchise companies. I've been evaluating franchise brands for since 2005, really. Um, and so I share with people my process and, and kind of in short, it's typically a pretty long, lengthy, I work with people for typically four to 30 to 90 days, I would say is, is a okay. typical investigation. So it's not something that happens overnight. It's not like, Hey, this mm -hmm. one would be a good one. Um, my goal is so that you, so is to get the candidate that I'm working with to look at the franchise space, like a business investor so that mm -hmm. we're not shopping for a franchise, like a consumer. Yeah. And what I mean by that is business investors focus on what is the business model that I want to invest mm -hmm. in and, or what are the characteristics that you want in a business? And more, more importantly, what are the ones you don't want, right? So what are the characteristics that you want in this business? What does that look like? How do you want to engage in the business? So what is your role as the owner? Are you going to be the mm -hmm. owner operator, the face of the company? Or are you going to be a some absentee manager run kind of owner? Did, what most people don't realize is franchise brands are built for different kinds of owners. And, yeah. and so I break it into kind of three buckets to make it easy. Um, so we identify your role as the owner. How do you want to engage in the business? What is it that you want to be doing? Um, and then we focus on scale. So mm -hmm. do you see yourself owning one shop or 10 shops? And what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of opening stores and financial support and how you're going to market and the leverage that you get once you get to three to five stores and from five stores mm -hmm. to 10 stores. Um, so it kind of depends on how deep the candidate wants to go, but that's kind of my, my strategy in a nutshell. Okay. Awesome. I love that. Um, so, you know, if somebody is out there thinking about this, this sounds interesting to me. I mean, it's kind of a business in a box concept there, you know, you, you're, you're buying into a system. What, uh, what, you know, I think what's the first step that they need to kind of get their own brain around, um, you know, in your, in your process there, what do you, what do you think their first step needs to be kind of thinking through this or, or researching it? Uh, great question, Jeff. I would say the first thing that I'm looking for when I'm talking to a candidate and, and yeah. kind of pulling out of our, our initial conversation is why do you want to do this in the first place? Yeah. Um, Jeff, I can help people with the how to, but I cannot create a why to. And if you don't have a why to, um, there's, there isn't a whole lot that I'm going to do to help you get there because business ownership is full of risk, whether it's franchise or not. And mm -hmm. you, there's several different ways that you can mitigate that. And I can teach you strategies, et cetera. But at the end of the day, that you as the individual have to be willing and able to pull the trigger. And you got to start somewhere, right? So, um, so that's sort of a big one. The why to the the 
the the want to move forward needs to be greater than the pain or the fear that's going to hold you back and and there's mm -hmm. a lot of you know um brain science and and you know conversation that we have around your mindset as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. is different than the mindset of an employee and yeah. and and we need to break some of that down we need to focus on things like preconceived notions right Franchisors going to get people to line up at my door. I mean, maybe they will, but I doubt it. So, you know, <laughs> that's your job as the owner and stuff like that. Right. So um, I try to paint a very realistic picture, whereas the franchise sales team is going to paint a very rosy picture about how great their franchise is because they're proud of it. Right. They, they yeah. think they've got a really great thing and they want you to be part of it. Um, and so I love my role as a consultant because I'm not selling I'm selling the dream, the the freedom day. I'm selling control and freedom and um, time, and all of that is achievable through business ownership. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not easy. I'm not selling easy, yeah. and I'm not and, selling and fast. Yeah, and and you have to work. I mean, that, that's work. the reality of it. Is you actually have to do the work. You can't just throw some money at it and hope that it's going to work. I mean, you have to do work. But I, you know, I I think. You, you made a really good point, though, is you've got to kind of decide who you want to be. Is it that, hey, I'm going to go do, you know, window blinds and I'm the one that does all the work? Or do you want to do something where, hey, I've got a management team and I'm basically, you know, directing that team and I might be directing multiple stores? Uh, what What is it that you really want out of this? That's right. And how do you want it? Here's the big thing. Um, a lot of people right now, if you're if you're sort of shopping for a franchise and you're in the 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 Google ethos, there's a mm. lot of this sort of you can own a business for 10 hours, 15 hours a week, um, which <laughs> which is what they're saying. You know, that's that what they're promoting is the some absentee manager run. Um and I will tell people two things. My personal experience, my wife and I own several, uh, a couple locations of Elements Massage. So manager run, membership-based business model, recurring revenue, lots of great yeah. aspects of the massage business. Uh, and we we did it. And I will tell you that working 10 to 15 hours a week is absolutely a reality in the sure. third or fourth year. Yeah. Let me say that again. At the beginning, you're going to have to be hustling. And you got to build a team that you feel comfortable not being there every day, right? So the thing that's exactly right. There. Um, so that's why one of my best friends owns a, he owns two elements down here in the Austin area. And okay. I, I remember that, you know, it, it, he was so funny. I mean, he's probably in, uh, I, I've probably known Levi for almost 10 years now. So he was just starting the, the first location when I got to know him. And I mean, it was so funny because he was just like, I mean, he worked his tail off just to be out there. You know, it wasn't like he was going and doing massages, but, it, you know, trying to drive people in, get people into it, and then build that team. And I mean, the trials and tribulations of him are constantly, okay, I got it right. Everything's perfect. And then this one quits and crap, you know, starting all yep. over. Jeff, my mantra that a mantra between my wife and I became, and about that, she, she, 18 months in, she's mad, right? Like I thought this was manager run and I'm working my tail off and you're, you know, you're not here every day like I am. All of that's true. And so my mantra became, honey, you got to build the business that you want to own. So yeah. if you want a business where you have to work 10 hours a week, then what does that look like? 
what are the mm-hmm. things you no longer are going to so all i did was map out delegation right so one thing that i'll tell candidates very directly um my, my three buckets are owner operator executive owner which is i'm going to be okay. full-time in the business for a couple of years until i can pull myself out of the business right and then I'm going to mm-hmm. run it like a CEO, but I want to, I want to learn it right before. Yeah. So that's a different mentality. Semi-absentee is I'm going to hire a manager and they're going to run it. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Any individual can take an executive owner business and turn it into a semi-absentee business very, very quickly. If they're really a yeah. strong, capable leader and mm-hmm. any individual can take a very awesome franchise system and run it like, they need to be there, you know, 50 hours a week if they can't delegate and lead, et cetera. So um, the franchise can give you the footprint and the playbook, but you have Mm -hmm. to, you have to build the business that you want to own, which is exactly what, you know, you talk about in, in your freedom day, uh, Mm -hmm. um, the book and and your conversation, it's, it's about creating cash flow that doesn't need you to be there. That's, that's what I love about franchising. Uh, and business ownership. Um, franchise. I just firmly believe I'm a franchise guy, but I firmly believe that franchising simply gets you to where you want to be faster mm-hmm. because you don't have to build the systems that you are completely necessary in order for you not to be there and have the thing actually still make money, right? That's exactly right. Now, I mean, the, the other side of the coin, they have to have a little bit of money to come into it though. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. yes, one, one of the things I hear quite frequently is, yeah, but franchises are expensive and I can start a business without all that money. It's like, well, yeah. if you break it down, yeah, yeah the answer is yes, sort of. Um, hmm. But if you break it down, franchises are more expensive because they bake in things like grand yeah. opening expense and 12 months worth of marketing expense and all the things that we know that entrepreneurs don't actually spend money on. Because they Correct. won't spend it if they don't feel like they need to, which is fine. Mm-hmm. They just yep. grow slower, right? So if you want to grow fast and you want to have a business that can support a manager and still make money, et cetera, like you need to grow fast and scale so that mm-hmm. your business is stable. If it's stable, yep. you can step out of it and it runs itself. If it's unstable, guess what? You're in there every day as the owner because it's yours, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that. That's the thing I, I love about and and it's funny because I'm kind of wired differently. I, I have to create stuff on my own. Uh, that's just the way I am. And I, I my brain is kind of systems oriented. So it, it actually works really well from that aspect. But yeah, I mean, it, it appeals to me from that fact of, hey, you know, I know what it takes. I, it took me seven years to grow a business before I really truly had financial freedom. And there was a lot of years in there where there was none, um, you know, and we fought and scrapped and kept you know, kept our heads above water. And, you know, certainly COVID didn't help for two years, owning owning something that has a physical location that uh, people have to come through. It's not really the best plan. But, uh, you know, I mean, I look at it now and I'm like, it's it, it made us harder. It made us focused. It made us, you know, control our finances and all that. But yeah, it'd have been a hell of a lot easier if I'd have had that. Um, what are some of the, you know, what are some of the factors when I'm looking at a franchise you know, beyond what kind of model and all that, what are some of the, you know, costs that are associated with becoming a franchise owner and things like that? Um, what are some things that people need to consider? Or are you just wondering kind of what is the range? Out no, there? I mean, things that people, yeah, people consider when they're evaluating franchises and things like that. 
you know, yeah, you've got to have, this has got to be something I'm at least remotely interested in, but from a cost standpoint, I know there's franchise fees and things like that. Um, so there, let me sort of map out the, the stratosphere of franchising for you. There are, okay. this is David Weaver's opinion. So just take it with a grain of salt. There's 4,000 <laughs> franchises for sale in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Um, in my consulting practice, I have a relationships with about 200 brands. Um, okay. I have brands that are under a hundred thousand total investment. And I have brands that are over three and a half million total investment just to yeah. get the thing started. Um, so huge range. Um, I would say, and I often say, there are a lot of fabulous franchise brands out there, franchise systems to follow, and there is a remarkable amount of garbage. Um, yeah. Franchisors that are selling franchises that have never even attempted to run the business before. Um, <laughs> it, you'd be shocked. Um, there are franchisors out there that they really don't have much of a system. It's like, you know, good luck, kid. This is how you do it. And um, and then there's the confusion between license agreements and franchise agreements because sure. those are different and they're different in the level of support that the franchisor uh, and or the licensor is going to provide. But mm -hmm. a lot of people confuse license agreements with franchise agreements um, and, and the net net is a, being getting into a license deal is much less expensive on the front end but there's also mm -hmm. less everything, less structure, less support, more entrepreneurialism is necessary, right? Yeah. Um, and so just sort of um, laying the groundwork for what, what, what are your expectations and then mm -hmm. putting people in front of brands that match their expectations is really the magic yeah. of what I do so that they're yeah. focused on brands that are available in their market like austin texas is one of the hardest markets to find territory available because it's such a growing market but it's also a relatively small city still it's growing yeah, like crazy it, but it really is yeah yeah in the franchising world it's a three-store market and most people that get into brick and mortar franchises will start with three locations so that mm -hmm. means one franchisee wipes out the market now it's growing so it's getting closer to four or five but it's yeah. still kind of a three market. So that's an example. If you live in Austin, you're, you know, you don't have a lot to choose from. So let's find the ones that you can work with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that really gets you to focus on brands that are truly an opportunity for you. And you're not wasting time talking to a bunch of people, leaving voice messages for brands that you love, like Orange Theory Fitness or, you know, Krispy Kreme or Crumble Cookie right now is a, is a hot one that everybody loves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, hot today, gone tomorrow. It, it's going to be great until it's not, kind of a thing. So yeah. again, let's have a real conversation like the, about what that looks like. Yeah, it's right? like the Gigi's, yeah, Gigi's cupcakes. You know, that were all oh, they were all the rage, and then now most of them are gone at yeah. this point because it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't want a cupcake with four inches of frosting on top of it. So <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, the what was that's the awesome. one that my my kids' teachers? This was the best. They're little muffins. What's it called? Oh, was it that? Was it nothing bunt cakes or whatever? Thank it was? you. Nothing bunt cakes. Yep. I'm telling you, that's a yep. great. Uh, and my wife will come to me, especially about the smoothie, the healthy smoothie mix and all that kind of stuff, uh, juice bars and whatnot. My comment yeah. to her is that's a great business to be a consumer of. Yes. 
Um, it's a horrible business to be an owner. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, unless you're like super into baking and stuff, but all that fresh baking every day, it's like, that's very hard yeah. to, to, to step out of personal opinion. I, yeah. I mean, some people can probably do it, but um, there are yeah. bet there are better business models to to focus on, in my opinion. Yeah, so. I always said open a donut shop. Yeah, you got to wake up super early, but you're done by ten o'clock every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one business that I don't think I I've got the stones to start, just because I'm I'm also not a big fan of food for complexity reasons. But a deli that only does lunch, like that would be it. kind of a fun business, right? Because I'm I'm a huge deli fan, but. But that's, mm. I'll never do it because it just never, it'll never make business sense when you put pencil to paper. But my, my wife never, ran a, a Wall Street, they, there was one called Wall Street Deli years ago that has since, I think, gone defunct because they were a, horrible business managers. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was exactly that. It was breakfast and, and lunch and that was it. Done. You know, they, they were done by one o'clock in the afternoon, but they had to get there at, you know, four o'clock in the morning to do all the baking and everything because they did all fresh baking and yeah total deli model everything else but yeah you're yeah she yeah she got up at four o'clock in the morning and then she'd be home by one o'clock but yeah she's completely wiped out by the time I would get home at five o'clock every day and she's ready to go to bed so yeah I'd I'd, yeah I would rather own a donut shop have a whole bunch of people come in and do it for me and then we'll go with that I'll be that I'll be the manager model for that what I like about donuts is the margin in donuts and bread and stuff like that is really, really Insane. good. I, uh, yeah. I would not, what I tell people all the time is I'm not a big fan of food. I'll just be straight up about it. I yep. think the business is complicated. You've got perishable inventory. You've got young employees that turnovers high, mm-hmm. et cetera. So there's lots of reasons why I don't like food. But what I will say is that there's plenty of people that make money in the restaurant business. They just oh, yeah. don't have much a quality of life, right? So no, they have a horrible life. Yeah. If you yeah, if you think that you're going to get into a food brand, I don't care what it is, and you're going to also have this 10-hour work week thing that you know that they make books about. Um, I just I just don't believe it. So if you want yeah. that, I'm probably not your guy. But if you want reality, well, I'm funny. happy to get there. I, I, I always, you know, I've got friends because my wife and I love to cook and, and I've got friends that are like, oh, you should open up a restaurant. And I, you know, because I've always wanted to open a restaurant. And I said, if you have not read Restaurant Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, and it, <laughs> let, let me just put it to you this way. If you read Restaurant Confidential and you decide that's what you want to do for a living, one, you're psychotic and two, you deserve anything you get at that point. <laughs> I did. No design. I did it. I, I've owned. Yeah. A, I owned a bar for a minute, and um, yep. and yeah, yeah, I would say biggest mistake. Never doing that again. <laughs> I I think um, I had somebody tell me once: when you lose, don't lose the lesson. So yeah. I never, I never lose. I just learn, and yep. and uh, I like to focus. And I know on I'm that. never doing that again. That's right. <laughs> Learn a lot. So, and and one thing that's wonderful about business is business is a very good teacher. Um, yep. And the more painful the lesson, the the faster you learn it. So that's exactly right. I love it. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's get into the fast five questions now to find out your answers here. So uh, first off, so you wake up in the morning, business is totally gone. You've got five hundred bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, all the knowledge in your head, place to live. What are you going to do first? Wow. So I'm I'm completely starting over. What do I do absolute, first? Absolute zero. 2008 all over again. Um, 
I would probably, well, the first thing I would do, to be honest, is is either, I, I'm a Colorado guy, right? So if I need to get my head straight, or if I'm stressed about a business decision, or um, I get on my mountain bike, or I go for a hike, right? Take the dogs, get lost in the woods, until I get a, get a solution. So um, I would say probably, um, first thing I would do is, is, turn the $500 over again. So buy something and sell it, right? So every business starts with a sale. Um, and so I would start something until I had enough money to um, get back into doing what I'm doing now, I think. So I, I would yeah. say, honestly, having all of the knowledge in my head is probably what hung me up on the answer. But I would I would go for a hike and I would most likely get back into the franchise consulting because- yeah. I'm just sharing with people what I know and what I do. And it's super fun. And I'm really passionate about business ownership and helping people. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like, you know, tell me what is it that you want to know and how can I help you? Um, it's a total. Absolutely. Lot. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Love it. Um, what is the biggest business mistake that you've ever made? <laughs> That's easy. Bar on DU's <laughs> campus. Um <laughs> And I'll, tell, I'll tell you what I learned out of that. So um, to, I owned that bar for 45 days. And the reason I owned it for 45 days is um, I don't think it was a straight up deal. So what, what I learned was I came into this deal as a financial contributor and, and kind of the financial oversight with my business partner that was came out of the food space. Um, okay. He underwrote the deal and put the deal together. And then he brought me in kind of at the last minute. And what I learned was, Never invest in a deal that you haven't done the research on your own mm -hmm. um, and never get into the food business. The, like the bar <laughs> business is just terrible. We had underage drinking and I think there was some sabotage in there, but structurally the deal well, is. Yeah, especially in a college town. This is not terrible. the place to own a bar. <laughs> right, right. Um, there were lots of good reasons why we got into it, but they didn't offset mm -hmm. the stupidity of, of doing that. Uh, the net net was the landlord lease agreement had to come with the deal. So we put the deal okay. together. We put some money up front. We were buying it on a seller carry, which was pretty smart, um, a short seller carry. But the first thing that needed to happen is the landlord had to transfer the lease into our name and they they we never got that done. And I was like, <laughs> 45 days later, I was like, this deal doesn't work anymore and I'm out. Um, yeah. So I also spent like four days and 45 days, four or five days at three o'clock in the morning with the cops at the bar. And I was like, uh, thanks for nothing. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. so that was a bit that was a good learning experience but a terrible terrible investment oh my god awesome what's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience uh i would say uh because i'm a franchise guy and i'm a small business guy and if, if for your yeah. audience that wants to create their freedom um perpetual cash flow i would say the e-myth revisited by michael gerber is kind of a trust yeah. tried and true franchise book why do i mm -hmm. say that whether it's a franchise or a business that you're starting on your own, you want to be, work on the business, not in the business. So you got to build systems that allow you the freedom day because otherwise the business yep. is going to own you. You want to yep. own the business. You don't want the business to own you. Well, you want you want to own a business. You don't want to own a job. Oh, who wants a job? It. Jobs are no fun. <laughs> business ownership is awesome, though. It's awesome. What's a good tool that you use in your business every day? I always give the example of like an Evernote in my own business. 
Honestly, I would say the um, this is not a new tool, and I think it's probably pretty common. But I would say only before COVID, I wasn't using Calendly. Um, okay, yep. Calendly is an awesome tool, and and it's more common now, so everybody it, mm-hmm. you know frequently uses it. But what a gift that that little nugget is! It's a simple little thing, but um, but I mean, yeah, and I mean, and I was I was hard and fast against it. Uh, really, even through COVID and everything else, because I had an executive assistant. So, I mean, I would always have Cindy, you know, just, okay, Cindy, you know, here's here's David, let's book an appointment with him. The problem was she would go in and she'd book, okay, well, David, we've got openings on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at these times, and I'd have all this stuff in my calendar. And it's like, okay, I'm, I don't know when I actually have open time. And so I I, I gave her the gift of freedom and took that away from her and just use, I mean, I've got like 17 different Calendly, you know, different things, whether it's podcasts or interviews or in-persons or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, I, I love it. I'm, I'm right there oh, with So they're you. labeled, they're different Calendly accounts that are labeled oh, for different things. Well, it's, it's different, um, different, you know, appointment types, depending on what it is. Cause I've got three different podcasts that I do. So I have three separate different ones for the podcast i have ones for virtual coffees and in-person meetings and client appointments and the whole thing so it's varied and some of those have different days like i only do tuesdays for my podcast interviews so my podcast interviews only will give you the option of booking something on a tuesday yeah yeah i'm a little little obsessed i I, I go in i go all in on anything (laughs) I love that. it. That's a that's a very good golden nugget because yeah, I've got I've got meetings with my team for the franchise that I'm invested in, and I've got my consulting meetings, and I've got so I uh, I never I never thought about having a whole a whole different calendar account for each yep. one. That well, and, and you don't even need a whole different calendar account. You can just create different appointment types within one account or within your one account. Okay. I've got three different ones now, but I hear what you're saying. Yep. I could, I could make it like label them different. Okay. All right. Enough Absolutely. About that. That's a great little, yep. uh, great little tool. A little nugget there. You, you got something out of this. So last thing, um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and, and is interested in learning a little bit more about what you do and maybe is interested in, in looking at franchises as a, as one of their freedom engines, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, my website is www.franchiseyourfreedom.com. So if you want to learn a little bit about me, you want to see my blog posts and my the podcast that I've been on, that's where you can grab that information. To be honest with you, Jeff, I'm a bit old school. Dweaver at franchise.com is my email. And nice. just send me an email and ask me a question and, and then um, we can connect, you know, via Calendly or whatever. But um, Love it. I, I would say email is the best. Dweaver at franchise.com. Love it. Love it. Well, David, thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation. I love to to learn about your business there. That was fantastic. And folks, I mean, David and I have talked even before this. Uh, He's your guy. If you're interested in, in getting into a franchise, if you're interested in learning more about franchising, he's your guy that you should reach out to. Um, and, and I love the fact that is, is franchise your freedom.com. It's even better. It's just, it fits right in with us here at freedom nation. So, um, you know, thank you, David, for being on. We appreciate that. 
Uh, folks, we we love to have you on here every week. It's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Make sure under me right here that you hit subscribe and uh, we will make sure that we are on every week and you'll see when we have shows and sometimes we have sneaky ones that we pop in there. So if you're not a subscriber, you're going to miss them if you're just planning on them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So thanks a lot. We will see you guys back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.